As we open the Word of God together, I want to invite you to grab your Bible, uh, something to write with and something to write on just in case the Lord speaks to you about anything that we share this morning. Uh, and I do want to let you know, even though we don't have a bulletin with an insert in it uh, for going deeper, if you go on our website, trinityepc.com, you can click on the newsletter and bulletin tab and pull up this week's Going Deeper so that you can follow along this week on your own, following through with what we've talked about in the sermon today and going a little bit deeper on your own with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit as you grow in your faith as an individual and as a family. So last week, if you remember, we started talking about the idea that Trinity is moving into an era in which we've never been this way before. God is calling us to go and to do things we've never undertaken, to interact with and minister to people we haven't had a chance to minister to with so far, and to stretch out and step out on faith and to attempt some great things for him. Now, what we did last week was we looked at Joshua chapter 3 and 4 as this amazing example of what it's like to be a part of God's movement when he does a new thing. If you remember at that point, uh, Moses had died. Israel had been coming out of 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And now God says, now is the time to cross over the Jordan and to begin to conquer the land that I promised to your ancestors. So God raises up Joshua as the new leader of Israel. And then he tells the people that they should begin to get ready because they're about to cross over the Jordan and begin conquering the land. And we saw in that process of crossing over the Jordan, that there were some principles by which they operated. And we saw for ourselves, we can appropriate those same principles as people of God embarking on a new journey. And if we'll use those just like Israel did, we'll find ourselves having the same level of success that Israel had moving into the promised land. We talked about the fact that the Lord goes before us, that we'll never ever end up in a place where God hasn't already been there and hasn't already prepared the way for us. That as a community of faith, we follow our leadership as they follow the Lord. We look to them to set the tone and the direction for us as they listen to the Lord. We also talked about the need to give the Lord space and make room for him to work and to prepare the land and prepare the places that he calls us to go. We can't just rush into those places. We've got to hear his voice and then wait on his timing in order to be successful in those places. We also talked about learning how to be obedient to everything God tells us to do. We do what he calls us to do, and we do it in the way he calls us to do it so that he can be honored completely. And then as we set out and we cross the, the the Jordan, if you will, into the places he's called us, that we make sure to memorialize the things that God's done for us so that the next generation can hear about the faithfulness of the Lord and learn to trust him just like we do. And we used one verse that we said we would love to be the hallmark of our community for the next couple of weeks and months moving forward. And that's out of Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 12. Listen to what the Lord did at a later point in the history of Judah when it came to the people in entering into a new phase of their history and following the leadership there. This is what Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 12 says. Also in Judah, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind, to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered, following the word of the Lord. So look at the progression there one more time, that God's hand rested on the people of Judah. That would be our congregation. 
and he gave them unity of mind, not uniformity where they had to believe everything just like everybody else did, but a unity around the purpose and the call of God to accomplish his will. He gave them unity of mind to follow what the king and his officials had ordered. That would be your elders here in the church, the leadership God has raised up, your diaconate, your staff, and that they and leadership will be following the word of the Lord, the things that God has commanded. If we can take this one verse and make it a benchmark for us as a community of faith, we're going to be radically successful over the next couple of weeks and months as we pursue a new vision and a new mission as the people of God. And as we do that, I want to build on what we talked about last week, because again, we've never been this way before in what God has called us. So I want to go back to Joshua chapter 1, and this week, instead of looking at the principles that we can apply to cross over into new things, I want to begin to collect some promises that God made to Joshua and to the Israelites, and that I believe are also promises that are given to any uh, man or woman of God and to the people of God of any age as we walk uh, in obedience to him and in faith. So Joshua chapter 1, and I want us to read verses 1 through 4 together. And then we'll just pull some principles out and we'll really focus in on one big overriding promise that comes out of these verses today. So Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, here's what the scripture says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Now, I would encourage you, as we often do on a Sunday morning, would you take your pen and would you just underline verse 3? Because I think this is the key promise that began Israel's cross into the promised land, but it's also a promise that I believe we can hold on to as a community of faith who is striking out into new things in Western Florence and into our state and into our nation and world. Verse three, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now think about it. When God drew Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, he had promised to give them a land where they could establish themselves as a nation. But because the people were disobedient as they came out of Egypt and were not willing to go into the land immediately as God had commanded them to do, God withheld that promise and put it on hold. He waited 40 years for an entire generation to die away who would not trust him so that a new generation with a new heart and a new obedience could be raised up. But that was a promise he made Moses, even though Moses was leading the people and was faithful, he had to wait those 40 years just like all those other people, because of their disobedience. But the promise was still made to Moses. Moses, as you travel in the wilderness for these 40 years, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. As you cross over the Jordan and head into the promised land, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. The promise was first given to Moses. But now that promise is being inherited by Joshua and by the new generation of Israel heading into the promised land. And I believe as Men and women of God, children, young people of God here at Trinity, I believe this promise is for us that God will give us every place where we set our foot 
just as he promised Moses, just as he promised Joshua, just as he's been promising the people of God all throughout history. If we go where he tells us to go, in the way he tells us to, to go, and do the things he tells us to do, he's going to give us the land on which we set our foot. So I just want to give you a few principles that I think are going to help us understand this promise and make sure we live it out to the full. And I call these foothold principles. So maybe you want to write a few of these down so you can think back over this over the course of this week. The first is this. When it comes to God giving us every place where we set our foot, I want us to understand the Lord will only give us the land on which we actually set our foot. Listen to that promise. I'll give you every place where you set your foot. God's never going to give us any place in which we're not willing to go into and travel into. One of the things that God told Abraham to do when he first took him into this land, hundreds of years before Israel crossed over the Jordan, he said, I want you to go into this land and I want you to walk around. And by walking around and seeing the land and claiming that land in faith, Abraham established that precedent for the people of God hundreds of years before they would ever travel into the land as his followers and as his descendants. Abraham set that pace. Now, God tells the Israelites through Joshua under his leadership, you go, you set your feet on the land and I'll give it to you. But imagine what would have happened if Israel said, no, you know, we're pretty comfortable on the east side of the Jordan. I don't think I want to go and take all this time to walk around or to go to all these high mountains and low valleys. And you know, if the Lord really wants us to have it, he's going to give it to us whether we go there or not. They never would have conquered the land. Why? Because God's plan was always that they go be obedient, and that they walk in the land. Brothers and sisters at Trinity, let me share my pastoral heart with you. I think that one of the Achilles heels we've had as a community of faith at Trinity throughout our history is that because we've been blessed with a warm and welcoming community, we have a hard time going out from these four walls in this beautiful campus out into a world that really needs us. We don't take the time and we don't have the focus to go out and set our feet in places that are new to us, strange enough, strange to us, and a little bit intimidating. I just want you to think about what God's built up around us in just the last five years. An amazing neighborhood that borders us now with brand new townhomes and houses that have sprung up seemingly overnight. We have business and commerce that's built up right along Pine Needles. We have schools right here in our vicinity. The Lord has brought here a brand new fire station that basically is sitting in our sanctuary for all intents and purposes. The Lord is clearly growing the area around us. But I believe he's calling us to leave this campus and to walk in those communities, to, to pray for them, to build relationships with the people who live there, to serve as best we can everywhere that God has called us to go. And as we do that, as we place our feet there, He's going to spiritually give that land into our hands and the people who are there for his glory and for the building of his kingdom. I believe that's the next great challenge in front of us at Trinity, not just to be a warm and welcoming community of faith, although we want to stay that and we want those people out there to experience what we have every single Sunday morning and Wednesday night and every activity we have. We want them to know the love and fellowship we feel all the time with each other, but we want to extend that out in the community around us. And that's only going to come as we go and walk around in the community God's given us. The second principle is this. Conquering the land in God's ways means occupying the land. 
We don't just walk around in the land. We have to occupy it. We have to go into places that God's called us, and we have to stay there for the long term. We have to figure out ways to gain access into neighborhoods, into the school system, into workplaces, into community groups, into workout groups, into Mother's Morning Out groups, into our community uh, our community seats and our different forms of government. And we need to stay there and be a presence so that we can be saw and light and we can consistently impact the people who are around us. Conquering the land means occupying the land, actually living in it, blessing it, and asking the Lord to minister in it. Do you remember when Israel and Judah were in exile? They had been disobedient. Because of that, God sent uh, the nations of Assyria and Babylon against them. They actually destroyed Israel and Babylon and took the Israelites, the Judeans, and they spread them all over the world. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, one of the visions that comes to Jeremiah is after the people of Judah have been exiled in Babylon. And he writes a letter to them and he sends it to the people living in Babylon. And he tells them in Jeremiah chapter 29, you can read the context of it all the way through. He tells them, uh, settle down in the places where you are, build houses, uh, start businesses, give your sons and daughters in marriage, pray for the city that you're in, pray that it prospers because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Even in the midst of exile, God commanded his people to bless the country who had destroyed their own country, to bless the people who had uh, who were in authority over them and to bless the communities in which they had been spread so that the communities would prosper, which would allow the people of God to prosper. If that's the command God gives to the Judeans, to the people of Israel and Judah who were punished through exile, surely that same command applies to you and I, who are not out in the community of Florence because of disobedience, but because of the blessing of being allowed to live and be raised here. We need to take that promise seriously learn how to go out and love our neighbors, build houses and plant businesses and see that the city of Florence flourishes so that we, the people of God, can flourish. God's call in our life is to occupy the land around us. The third principle is this. We don't decide when or where to walk. The Lord does. He's the one that tells us where to go. I want you to be very careful as you hear me teach this today. This is not some form of conquering um, uh, prosperity gospel in which all I have to do is figure out what I want to own or control and then go walk in it and God's forced to uh, give me that place because I set my foot and he made me a promise. That's not how it works. What we do is we listen to God about where we should walk. What are the communities and neighborhoods we should walk in? What are the schools that we should be a part of? How do we speak into businesses? What are the ministries we should uh, seek to support and build up in the community? What are the new ministries that we should start? What are the needs in our community that maybe only the people of Trinity can meet? We listen to him first. We get the plan. And once we have the plan, we obey and we go. We don't get to make a large strategic plan and then try to execute it on our own. We have to listen to the Lord step by step. Now, this is something that I share with you from my heart last week. As a pastor, I feel like I'm as intimidated as I've ever been in ministry, yet as certain as I've ever been in ministry that we're on the right track. And part of that intimidation comes from the fact that 
the Lord has not laid out for us this amazing 36-step plan of how we're going to conquer Florence for the kingdom of God. All he said is, I want you to go to listen to me and you'll be obedient. And as you're obedient, then I will come in and I'll give you every place where you set your foot. And I want to be honest with you. We're just trying to listen day by day, week by week, month by month for the next thing God tells us to do. And when he tells us to do it, we're going to be faithful and throw all of our energy and resources into it. But if you're asking me, what's the next year and a half looks like? I'll be honest, I don't really know. Other than seeking the Lord, being obedient, and going wherever he tells us to go, even if it's not where we plan to go. I hope that's your same heart. I hope you'll maintain that same spirit of dependency as your leadership is leaning on, because you're going to be key to the Lord doing amazing things in this community through the body of Christ at Trinity. We go where he tells us to go, and we go when he tells us to go. There's an order of things. First, we honor him, and that builds up into the next thing God has for us. The fourth thing I want us to see is that different feet are meant to conquer different territories. There were certain tribes that he sent up into the mountains to conquer in the promised land. There were other tribes he sent to the coast. Other tribes he sent into the lowlands and into the valleys. Other tribes he sent out into the wilderness. Each had a unique skill set and gifting from the Lord so that they could conquer that particular area. Now, God has united the body of Christ all over Florence and all over the world. But there's a a specific uh, unifying of specific members of the body of Christ as a congregation to meet at Trinity in this period of time in 2021. We won't always have this makeup, but we have this makeup today. And that unique mix of people are brought together so that for God's glory, we can expand the kingdom of God through the resources and abilities and talents and knowledge and experience that we have that nobody else, no other church in all of Florence has or all of the world for that matter. We have a unique gift and mix of people that can accomplish what only God can accomplish through us. That's nothing to take pride in. That's to humble ourselves and say, I need you just like you need me. We need every piece of the body of believers at Trinity. And we need to spur each other on to loving good deeds in every way that we can. So we want to make sure we understand that your gifts and talents and experience are unique in Trinity. And God wants to use your uniqueness as part of the larger plan of what he wants to accomplish through this church. And I can't tell you as a pastor how inspired I am to be able to think of the people God are using. There's a few people that just came to mind as I prepared this sermon. I thought about Paul John, one of our deacons, who six years ago, I sat across the table from at Bojangles, and we talked about how God was laying on his heart to go and strike out on his own and to start a physical therapy business along with another awesome Christ follower named David Barnes, who is a member of Palmetto Street Church of God. I love how the, the kingdom aligns between churches. We talked about the risk it would take, and we, we, he, we talked about how certain he was that the Lord was calling him. And you know, the last six years of starting a business and getting it established has not been easy. But I have seen person after person affected by the faithfulness of Paul John and David Barnes at Perfection Physical Therapy. I've seen him do these amazing things through them because the Lord has used them. They have gone where God said. They've conquered that land. They've placed their foot there, and the Lord's given it to them. That encourages me. I'm encouraged about people like Jennifer Morris, who right now probably at McLeod is in the in the uh, the neonatal ward, and she's bringing babies 
into this world every single day as part of her regular calling and life. She loves it. She's so good. She's so gifted at it. Uh, I remember having both of our babies at McLeod and seeing Heather bring our children into the world and having people like uh, Jennifer there to help us with that. I remember Jennifer Desai being there and such an amazing uh, woman of God being present with us to help through that process. And think about how critical having godly followers of Jesus is in this day and age where COVID is just ransacking our hospitals. We need people like Jennifer Desai and like Sharon Kirby and like Melissa Brock and Jennifer Guffey, uh, Jennifer Morris, it used to be Jennifer Guffey, but Jennifer Morris, who are being used by the Lord day in and day out. And, and I just want to give you a little bit of an aside. Um, I was talking to a healthcare worker this week, and one of the things that he said was that early in this pandemic, our healthcare workers uh, were really uh, painted as heroic and really supported in a lot of different ways. But some of that support has waned because of COVID fatigue. This has gone on for so long. But there is a need of that support and that prayer as they've ever been. So would you take some time as a family and just pray over our local healthcare workers as well as they help us to, to navigate COVID in our community? Not just that, I think of Mara Diaz, the husband of our international minister, Annette Diaz. Uh, the Lord has raised him up in the FSDS-1 school system uh, to be able to minister to Hispanic students and family who are coming through that uh, educational uh, process, uh, having trouble with English as a first language, helping them get plugged in so they can be educated and ministered to. God is raising up people like that. Or how about uh, Rhonda Eckhart, impacting customers and workers um, in our, in our family and, um, Rhonda Spangler, who works at Victor's downtown. What an amazing uh, ministry it is, uh, to day in and day out be greeted by someone like Rhonda and to minister to the workers who are there and, and to the servers and just to be present. Uh, praise God that the Lord infiltrates our community with people like that. How about Edna Rodriguez, who works at South Florence High School and has been used by the Lord in so many different ways to bless her students. And not just that lately has had a real heart for the men and women that God has brought from all over the world to be exchange teachers in Darlington County and Florence County and making sure that as they come, that they feel welcome, they feel provided for, and that they let them know there's a community of faith that loves them and wants to minister to them. The Lord Jesus uh, Edna powerfully in those things. I don't have time to just detail out every single person in our community of faith, and I'm not trying to lift up these people as superstars, but I want you to know, as a pastor, I see you. Like, I see your work. I see what the Lord's doing. I see how the Lord's using you all over this city and all over the state, and I am so proud of what God's doing through you. To God be the glory. Keep it up. Keep listening to him. Keep getting up every single morning. Keep stepping in those places. Keep conquering that, that land. Be obedient to what he tells you to do. And as the Lord gives more and more people into the kingdom of God, more and more influence for Trinity and the kingdom of God in Florence, may he get all the praise and glory for it. We want to see the next generation of believers raised up at Trinity, looking at your life and seeing how you have gone out to honor and glorify the Lord everywhere that you go. Now, one of the last things I want us to see is this idea. If we're going to go and set our foot in places, and the Lord says when we do that in obedience that we're going to conquer the land, I want us to make sure we understand we conquer with the gospel. The last thing we understand in this principle is we conquer with the gospel. Listen, we're not the United Way. I mean, it's a great organization. It meets lots of physical needs in our community. It helps people be fed and clothed and learn how to read and how their physical needs met. 
And as a community of faith, we're going to be about helping people with physical needs being met as well. But we have the ability not just to meet needs that are only going to last here while people are on this earth. Uh, we have the ability to meet eternal needs. And eternal needs are not met through uh, a, a warm meal or through a set of clothing given in love or even a financial need being met. Eternal needs start by meeting physical needs, but it moves beyond that by meeting eternal needs through the preaching and the teaching and the confrontation of people with the gospel. We don't just conquer for our glory. We don't just conquer to solve the physical problems around us. We conquer with the gospel of Jesus Christ because we believe eventually sin's going to be beaten. The devil's going to be beaten. COVID-19 is going to be beaten. All of these financial and physical difficulties are going to be taken care of sooner or later, but only as we walk into the promise of eternity. It would be a shame to see people rescued from COVID-19 only to be delivered into hell. It would be a shame to see physical poverty solved here on the earth, but spiritual poverty for all of eternity to be the result. We don't want that. We are going to be a community of faith that conquers by the gospel. So I want us to look at Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 15, as we wrap up this morning. I want this to cast some vision for us about what God's calling us to be. So Romans chapter 10, down to verse 11, here's what Paul said. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What a cool blessing that was written down in the Old Testament and that Paul picked up and communicated again in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans. That visual image that when people are in desperate need of good news and that messenger finally arrives where they run down the path and run into your village, they have these beautiful feet that bring good news. Here's my vision for you as your pastor. I want us to be people of beautiful feet. I've got some pretty ugly feet, I'll be honest with you. I've got flat feet. I've got 44-year-old man feet. I run all the time. Physically, they're not too beautiful. But every time I obey the Lord and go into any place with the gospel of Jesus Christ, my feet become beautiful to those who are dying, who are apart from the Lord, and have no hope in this world. The same is true about your feet. I want to see your feet become beautiful in the power of the gospel. I want to see your feet go into places nobody else's feet can go. And when you do that, I want to see the Lord give you every place where you set your foot, just as he promised Moses and Joshua and the people of God. That's who God is calling us to be. I'm asking you to get on board as your pastor. It's going to take our energy, our focus, our time, our resources, but I'm already seeing you do that. I'm just asking you to continue to be faithful with what you're already doing. In every place, God's called you. And I can't wait to see what God does in the kingdom through you, through your life, through your kids, through your hard work, and through our community of faith. 
May the Lord bless you today. I want to pray for us, and then we'll continue to worship a little bit. Thanks for making time for us, and the Lord bless you while we're apart. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll make our feet beautiful with the gospel. I pray that we'll be people of beautiful feet who go into the places you tell us to go, and that you'll give us every place where we've set our foot, as you promised Moses and Joshua. Lord, I pray we'll go in faith, knowing that we conquer not by force, not by manipulation, not by overpowering, overwhelming, or uh, destabilizing people. We conquer by going and occupying with the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us a vision of what that means as a community, as families, and as individuals. And we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed today.